Well, welcome to our worship here in the Fellowship Center. Uh, this is where we worshiped uh, from uh, 1982 until November of 1995. How many of you were here in those days before we moved over to the worship center, okay? Yeah, we had some great days here, wonderful time, wonderful times of worship. We look forward to getting back into the refurbished uh, worship center. Uh, but in the meantime, through these summer weeks, we're going we're gonna to worship in here. We're going to have a great time. God's going to bless, and we're going to celebrate his goodness and his presence among us. Back in those days we worshiped here, the pulpit was about here, and the Lord's Supper table was there, and Aphon Strickland made both of those. And once we moved into the new worship center, we donated that pulpit furniture to a mission church. Uh, there was a wall right here uh, that kept the choir corral back in here, and uh, there was a swinging gate here that let the soloists come through to sing. The choir gathered in the back, and uh, they rolled up there, and they came out and uh, joined up here in, in, in this small area in which they worshiped. Uh, one of my great delights was when the, the men would sing, it was a group of men who would sing, and they would put on uh, matching blazers, and they would hang them back there on a rack, right in order, so that they could run and just pick up theirs and put it on. When they were out here singing, I'd go back there and I'd, I'd switch them around, <laughs> just to watch those big guys try to get in a small coat and the little guys being swallowed by a big coat. No, I just, I just like to have fun that way. But um, where did we baptize? You remember that? About right there where that rug is, um, uh, we baptized right there. And it was somewhat less than a really holy moment because it was nothing but a, a, a four-sided plywood box that we put a sheet of plastic in and ran a garden hose in and filled it with water and then put a heater in it that would heat it. And then to get in and out, we used an above-ground swimming pool ladder. You know what that looks like? Kind of like this. We had to go up and then down to get in it. Then you had to go up and down to get out of it. And there was more than one occasion that I almost went head first into that baptistry where I got to get my robe caught on my boot. And that would probably have been more exciting than the baptism. Uh, and we were always constantly breaking down and setting up. You know, we would worship, and if there was an event tonight that we were going to have a fellowship time or whatever, then we'd have to break all this down, move the chairs over to the side, and then get them put back out for Sunday morning. And in the midst of all of those things, God blessed us, and what a wonderful time we had here. I think my greatest memory is of December 4th, 1998, uh, that 1988, that I came through that door with the search committee, the, uh, the search committee for Spring Valley Baptist Church, and I was holding Sarah Lynn, our youngest daughter, in my arm, and she was uh, not quite one. She would turn one that week. And uh, she, she was in my arm, and Cookie and the other three kids, we came out with the search committee, and right here at this place, I accepted the call from Spring Valley Baptist Church to become pastor. I was 29 and a half years ago, and what a great journey it's been together. What a wonderful time. And God has rich, blessedly, richly blessed us, and I think he will continue to do that. What a wonderful time. Well, um, as we moved over here for our worship for these uh, summer weeks, uh, anticipating going back into the remodeled worship center, I thought, okay, well, what, 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 what can we focus upon? What biblical truths can we focus upon? And um, I still was reflecting upon uh, Vacation Bible School Week, and I thought, what a great week that was. It seems like to me every year the, the theme is great, the songs get great. I just don't know how they can continue to improve, but they do. And it's just a wonderful thing. And I really was caught by that verse that we had in Second Peter as our, our verse for Vacation Bible School. And a couple of weeks ago, I preached from that uh, the Sunday following Vacation Bible School. And it's a powerful one. Let me remind you of it. It's in 1 Peter 1, 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. 
And then I read on, and verse 4 says, Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Now that phrase, his, his great and precious promises, caught my attention. And we talked the, a couple of weeks ago, I mentioned the fact that somebody has counted and said, pinpoint how you count them, there could be over 7,000 promises in the Bible. So I said, okay, if there's 7,000 promises and I preach 47 Sundays a year, it would only take us about 149 years to go through all of those 7,000 promises. That's a long time because there are a lot of promises and a lot of goodness from God in all those promises. Only problem with that is I think I'll be retired before 149 years are passed. But what we want to do this summer is to focus upon some of these great promises that God gives to us. Some of them are promises that were made to individuals. Some of them were made that are for everybody, and that's where we're going to focus is on the promises that we claim through Jesus Christ that are for all of us, and that's where we're going to focus. Today we're going to start out of John 5, 24, uh, with a promise that is for everybody, if you believe in Jesus Christ, and it's the promise that God gives us of eternal life. Look there with me, words will be on the screen. Uh, when you do come in for worship, there, there are Bibles and hymnals back there if you want those. Um, but you might have a phone app or your Bible, or you just depend upon the screen. So here we go, John 5, 24. And I'm, I'm beginning to cherish this verse more and more. In fact, for the last two funerals yesterday, even uh, for Ray Collison's funeral, that was a portion of my, of my remarks that I made because the scripture and this promise is so powerful. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. And you notice how he starts. He says, I tell you the truth. He's putting his affirmation on this statement. He says, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. That's the promise that God has for every one of us who will believe in Jesus Christ. That we have the promise of eternal life. I tell you the truth. When you hear Jesus say that, you can take that to the bank. You can put that in your heart. You can believe that for all eternity because it will be true. Jesus is telling you the truth. He's saying, I, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Now, that's a great promise for us to claim. I want to look at three components of that promise for today. The first is you have to receive that offer of eternal life. You have to receive it. Jesus said, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me. So there's two parts to that receiving this promise of eternal life. First of all, we have to hear what Jesus says. Jesus says, hear my word. What does it mean to hear the word of Jesus? What does it mean to hear this promise and to be able to claim it? It, mean, it means to process thoroughly what Jesus is saying. Just think about that. Jesus is affirming the absolute truth of what he's saying. He says, I, I tell you the truth. And he talks about eternal life. And you think about that. Okay, this is Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, God in the flesh, walking the face of the earth, teaching these things, and he's teaching me that I can have eternal life. What does eternal life mean? Yeah, it means I will live forever and ever, and I live with 
forever with God. So you start to hear the words and you start to think through that entire process to think what a fantastic promise this is that Jesus gives to us of eternal life. Jesus talked about his sheep, his followers, hearing his voice in John 10. And he said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall not perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. You see, when you make the decision to hear what Jesus says about the offer of eternal life and you commit your life to him through faith in him, then you are his follower. And nothing, nothing can separate you from him. Nothing can snatch you out of his hand. So you got to hear what Jesus says, process it completely and think through that process. Then the second thing Jesus says about receiving this gift of eternal life is, you got to believe, he says, in the one who sent me. And who's he talking about? He's talking about God. You have to believe in God who sent Jesus Christ. In John 17, 3, a little bit later on, Jesus would make this statement about God and about eternal life. This is what he said. Now this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. How does Jesus define eternal life? He says, this is eternal life. That they, that's anyone and everyone, may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The eternal life comes when we enter into a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Eternal life begins when we believe in God who sent Jesus. Now what does it really mean to believe in God? That we believe everything about this wonderful God who has described for us in beautiful words and phrases and ways and actions all the way through the Bible. He's holy, he's powerful, he's majestic, he's righteous, he's just, he's loving, he's kind, he's forgiving, he's our father. He, he is everywhere. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. All power belongs to him. He spoke and he created. He is the creator. He's the sustainer of life. He is the giver of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All the names about God, the way that he is defined, everything about him is true. And we simply have to believe. We hear what Jesus says, and then we believe, Jesus says, in God who sent him. That's the two conditions. We talked a couple of weeks ago about so many of these promises have conditions upon them. If we do this, then God promises to do this. We want revival in our nation. He says, if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, he says, then I will hear from heaven and I will bless. And there will be revival that will take place. This is the condition on this, that we hear what Jesus says, we process it carefully, we think about it. The ramifications about eternal life. And we believe in God who sent Jesus Christ. Now here's the second aspect we need to focus on. And that is that we have to realize that eternal life is a present possession. Eternal life is a present possession. Now, does that change or alter or challenge your thought process about eternal life any? I think most of us think eternal life happens when I die and I leave this world and I go into the world of eternity. You know, everybody spends the rest of their life in eternity after death. 
Some people spend eternity in hell. Some people spend eternity in heaven. It depends upon whether you receive the promise of God through Jesus Christ. But Jesus says something in here that I think challenges a lot of thoughts. Because he says to us that whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life. He does not say will have eternal life. But he says has eternal life. We have eternal life now in the present. So how do we look upon that? How how do we understand that? You might ask the question and say, okay, uh, does that mean we're in heaven right now? If we have eternal life now? I think the answer obviously to that is no. One reason is it's been too dadgum hot. It can't be be heaven as hot as it's been. Nothing nothing is perfect. We're still living here in an imperfect world. No, we're still sinful people. We live in the midst of sinful people. Everything around us isn't that beautiful paradise that's described in the Bible as heaven for us. And we know that's not true. So what does it mean for us that we are experiencing and that we have eternal life now? Well, it does mean that in the time to come, when we leave this world, whether we die or whether we are raptured out of here, that the Lord comes and claims his church before the tribulation starts, we will spend eternity with God in heaven. If we are a child of God, if we are a follower of God, if we believed in Jesus Christ, committed our life to him, and accepted that promise of eternal life, we will spend eternity in heaven. That's the promise of the Bible. And all the glory and the beauty and the richness of heaven, the full experience of that will be ours. But what about now? What what does this eternal life now mean for us? Well, let's hear what Paul says. The Apostle Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Now listen to this phrase. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now what does Paul say to us there? That he has made us alive together with him. And he says... That God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So if we're not in heaven now, and we're not, what does it mean then that we are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms? Well, the key phrase is to understand what, what Paul says is that God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Now, hear me very carefully. When I I explain this, I am not in any way saying that this is a spiritual, spiritualizing the reality of, of eternal life and life with Jesus Christ in eternity forever once we leave this world, okay? I mean, if we die before the Lord comes back, there will be a day of resurrection and we will literally bodily be resurrected and we will be caught up in clouds with the other believers and we will go to heaven and we will spend it there for all eternity and we will get a new body. Okay, you understand all those things. Okay, but here's how we understand having eternal life now and being seated now with Christ in the heavenly realms. 
Here's what it means. It's a spiritual term. It's a spiritual life that we live. It means that Jesus died literally, physically, and was resurrected. We died spiritually. I mean, we sang about it a while ago, didn't we? We sang about that, that we had been brought from death into life. Paul talks about that all the way through. He talks about that in, in, in Ephesians and in other places, that we were dead. And the Bible tells us we were dead in our trespasses and sins. That's spiritually dead. But God did what? He made us alive together with him. We have come out of dominion of death and darkness into the, into the kingdom of light and the kingdom of God. That's a spiritual transformation that takes place in our life. Christ was raised physically. We are raised spiritually. Christ is seated physically in the glories of heaven at the right hand of the Father, and he's doing what for us? He's interceding for us. He's praying for us. We are seated with Christ spiritually. How do, we, how do we get our hands around that? Well, my understanding is that in some countries, foreign countries, where military personnel are stationed or we have missionaries, that if children are born to those families, there's a possibility that they could have dual citizenship. They could be citizens of the country in which they're born, if it's overseas, and they can have citizenship here in America as well because they have American parents. Okay? you got dual citizenship. We have dual citizenship. We live here in the United States. We're South Carolinians. We live here in the United States. We're citizens of America, the United States of America. We celebrate our great freedom, and what a wonderful land that is this week as we celebrate July the 4th. But the Bible also teaches us that we also have citizenship in heaven. This is what we find in Philippians 3.20. The Apostle Paul writes and says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have dual citizenship. We have citizenship here in this world. We have citizenship in the world that is yet to come, known as heaven. So what does all that mean? We boil all that down for us about the fact that we have eternal life now, we've been raised with Christ into the spiritual realms, and we are seated with Christ there. Here's what it means for us. It means that we have a kingdom perspective, a kingdom view of everything. It's like, it's like well, it's like my being up here. I'm, I'm a few feet higher than you are. I can see everybody in this room and what you're doing. You know, whether you're sleeping, a little bit dark back there in some corners, whether you're taking notes, if you got your phone out, I, you know, I'm hoping you're taking notes, not texting somebody, unless you're texting, man, what a fantastic sermon this is today. <laughs> but see, from this perspective, I can, see, I can see what's going on out there. I can see what everybody is doing. I think that's kind of why we have the pulpit level up high, so we can see what's going on out there. God, from his realm, and Christ from his glory, they look down and they see everything from that perspective, don't they? From their spiritual perspective. So the analogy I make with that is that when we are born again, when we are brought from death into life, when we who were dead in our sins are brought to life through Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. We are raised up with him into the spiritual realms with him. We are seated with him. That means that everything that we see and think and do comes from an eternal perspective. We have a kingdom perspective. It, 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 is, it is a Christian worldview through which we view 
everything. That's what it means that we have eternal life now. That's what it means that we have been raised up into the spiritual realms with Jesus and are seated with him. That we see, we live, we breathe, everything we do from a spiritual perspective because we are in fellowship with God through belief in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Now, there will be a day that will come when we will leave this world. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity in the glories of heaven. And it is described as a fantastic place. And there are no more tears, there's no more sorrow, no more pain there. And it's just an absolutely wonderful place. There won't be a sun there because the sun himself will give the light. I mean, it's just a glorious thing to experience and to anticipate. But what we're supposed to do now is remember that we have eternal life now. We see everything from a kingdom perspective now. And we live every day with that kingdom perspective now. Now, here's the third thing about this promise that Jesus talks about. We have to recognize that there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. The latter portion of that verse 24, and this is the New Living Translation, and I like the way it was phrased here, it says, They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. You see, when we pass from spiritual death into spiritual life through faith in Jesus Christ, when we confess our sins, repent of our sins, when we accept what Jesus Christ has taught us, when we believe in God who sent him and we enter into that relationship with God, we are born again, we've crossed over from death into life, and there's no more condemnation in our life. That means that the full judgment of our sin took place in the completed work of Christ on the cross, and we don't have to go around bearing the shame or guilt of our sin any longer. We don't have to worry about future judgment because we're not going to be judged for our sin anymore because God looks at us through the righteousness of Jesus Christ because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, and it's through that finished, accomplished work of Jesus on the cross that we are righteous in his sight. And we don't have to fear any judgment. There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1 and 2. Paul says, so there, Now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I think that's also in the New Living Translation. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. See, that's good news today. That's a part of what it means to have eternal life now. Now, here's the reality of what happens. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have a new life. We're a new person. We're born again. We're brought from death into life. We're part of the kingdom of God, not out of the kingdom of darkness, nor in the kingdom of death any longer. We're in the kingdom of life. We're in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, all that goes along with knowing God in a personal way. We're a new creation. We're born again. We have a new name. We're a believer. We're a Christian. We're a child of God. And sometimes that's all it takes to make a difference is, is a name change. All right, let, let, me, let me share some examples of that for marketing some products. And maybe you're f- familiar with some of these. Off the coast of Chile, there is a a toothfish that the locals there think that's too bony and too oily to eat, but Americans love it. Now, they changed the name from toothfish to a name that you probably are familiar with, and Americans are about to eat it out of extinction. What is it? 
You know, it's the Chilean sea bass. The Chilean sea bass. Just to change the name from toothfish to chili bass, and, and people are eating it like crazy, all right? How many of you have any, um, any rapeseed oil in your home? You got any rapeseed oil in your home? Well, the Canadians developed an oil from the rapeseed, and they realized, well, we got a problem with the name of this thing. So they had the FDA to allow them to change the name, and they changed the name to canola oil. How many of you got canola oil in your home? Yeah, see? Yeah. That's a little marketing change, okay? When the California Prune Board realized that the words prune and laxative were inextricably linked, they switched their terminology from prune to dried plums in 2000. And sales skyrocketed. And when they interviewed people who love those new dried plums, they said, oh, we love them far more than the taste of the prunes. Same product. Different name. And people loved it. In the 1960s, an American produce importer brought into this country something called Chinese gooseberry. You have any Chinese gooseberry? Chinese gooseberry? Well, you probably have. You just didn't know it. They changed the name from Chinese gooseberry. Who's going to eat a gooseberry? He changed the name to kiwi fruit. Why? He did so after New Zealand's national bird, which is round, Brown and fuzzy. And that's a kiwi fruit, right? Okay. One more. One more. How many of you have ever eaten dolphin? When you think about dolphin, some of us old timers that watch TV, remember the show Flipper? They're like family friendly, what was it, Flipper the Friendly Dolphin or something like that? That dolphins were so lovable and, and you know, uh, they, just, they had this pet dolphin somewhere out there like that. Well, the dolphin fish that you eat is totally different from that. It's not the same as flipper. But the marketing on that when they first started serving that didn't go too well until they used the Hawaiian name for its real name, and that is Mai Mai. And you eat it like crazy. I think a simple name change can mean a whole lot. A new perspective on something that's old can mean a whole lot, can it, in a positive way. I hope today we've talked about something that's been around ever since Jesus uttered these words, eternal life. That's something old, but yet at the same time, it's something new. That hopefully you have learned that you enter into that by hearing what Jesus says, believing the God who sent him, that you realize that you have eternal life now, and you live with a kingdom perspective. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And at the same time, you remember that there is no condemnation, no judgment for you because you are in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful promise of eternal life. Amen? And God gives that to us because he loves us. My prayer is if you've not accepted that promise that you will do so today. Come to faith in Jesus Christ and make that decision to embrace the love he has for you. Come out of the darkness of sin into the light of Jesus Christ. Come out of the kingdom of death into the kingdom of life. Come experience eternal life. Father, we thank you for your love for us in which you sent Jesus Christ to the cross to die in our place for our sins. Thank you, Father, that through the finished work of the cross that we can have eternal life and fear, no fear of judgment because Jesus Christ took all of our judgment from us. Father, I pray today that we will come to, to know the depth of the meaning of this promise of eternal life 
and that as we wait for eternity to come for us as we live for you in the glories of heaven that we will live now with an eternal perspective and everything we see everything we say everything we do will be done from that eternal perspective because we are your children we believe in you we love you we've committed our lives to you and we thank you for all of that through Jesus Christ our Savior and our Lord we pray it in his name Amen.